It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 29th of March. I have a very simple question for you today. How good are the Utah Jazz? Do the numbers tell a true story on how good the Utah Jazz are? And how points gained has changed my MVP vote? I'll let you know about that. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Glad to have you aboard. Maybe you're tuning in on a Saturday or Sunday because it's a Friday edition. And this is a little bit of an evergreen edition, as they say, in the business. Uh, it is your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you a dairy sense, insight, expertise, geeky numbers, all that kind of fun stuff. You can get it on the brand new Himalaya app. Have you checked it out yet? It's really good. It's Himalaya. Download it on your Apple Store or your uh, Google Store and get that app and put in your Locked On podcasts uh, for you. I had a great morning this morning. Uh, the Rockets in Denver played an important game last night. And so I actually went and listened to both Locked On Rockets and Locked On Nuggets to get the perspective and learned all sorts of things. I didn't know that just Houston has Denver's number. They've won like 10 of the last 11. Denver beat them last time. Capella was out. People thought maybe Denver had solved it. Denver, according to Adam Modisa, host of Locked On Nuggets, really has a hard time with dribble penetration. That's kind of their defensive weakness, and that's what they get beat at. So I thought that was, was kind of fun this morning to to just grab those two podcasts and listen to them. You can do that in your Himalaya app. You can also do it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Or when you get in your car, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Jazz. All right, I just have a really so a simple question, which is uh, what are the Jazz? How good are the Jazz? Right? So if you follow and and if you follow kind of the course of our season, the opening of the year was me kind of saying to everyone, hey, we're not as bad as the schedule's making us feel. Oklahoma City and Denver are going to go this through this in the second half of the season. We'll see what the impact of that is, which is worse, which is, we don't know. And then, frankly, I just have said recently, I, I don't think we're as good as we seem right now. Like right now, we're the number one offense, number three defense over the last 10 games and like number one different. We're not the best team in the league. Like that's we just haven't played anyone. Played terrible teams. Uh, so it's leaving me to this question of how good are we? Last year at this time, I felt like I was trying to convince everyone uh, that the Jazz and were that good, and a large part of that was just that Rudy is entirely so awesome. And changes everything that were that good. And I'm not entirely there yet this year. Though I might get there by the end of the show. So if you kind of walk through for a second and say, all right, you know, one thing is to say this is very self-serving to the Jazz, but since the Corver trade, right? So that's the team we have now. And you go grab... Uh, Right before the Charlotte game is when he first plays. So you hit November 29th and you say from November 29th to March 29th today. Beautiful. We got symmetry there. 
It's like 60 games. It's a pretty good sample size. The net rating, the Utah Jazz are the second best team in the NBA and the best team in the Western Conference, and it's not close. That's actually what's more revealing here. It's not close. The Bucks have a net rating of 8.8. The Jazz have a net rating of 8.0. The Warriors are at 5.8. The Rockets are at 5.4. The Blazers are in the West are at 4.6. I'm avoiding some Eastern Conference teams here just because I'm only talking West. The Spurs are 2.9. The Nuggets are 2.9. And the Thunder 2.4. But that I find flawed. I'm not running outside and getting excited and convincing my daughter we got a deep playoff run or anything like that off that because the Nuggets and Thunder that are sitting down at 11th and 12th, that's taking away all of the easy games they had to open the season. And frankly, by starting at November 29th, for us, you eliminate a month and a half of the season in which our schedule was brutal. And... You know, we played a Toronto and a Boston and a Dallas and a Philly and a Boston and Indiana and a Sacramento when they were good and the Lakers when they were good and another Indiana that smoked us and you eliminate the Dallas game where we lost by 50. It's very self-serving. So, but I do think there's a little piece of like, well, that's who we are. And if you listen to Kevin Pelton, uh, who tries to explain to me strength of schedule every single time I tweet it and talk about how important it is and Kevin Pelton comes back to me with the numbers and tries to tell me it's not as important as I think it is. It's one or two points, and I try to tell him that it's way more important because it has to do with psychology and it has to do with rest, and he's like, shut up, just believe the numbers, and we go back and forth on this all the time. This is pretty interesting. Like, the Jazz are 2.2 points better than any other team in the Western Conference net rating. That's a lot. The Bucks, by the way, are also 3.7 points better than the Boston Celtics, the next best Eastern Conference team. Okay, that's worth, so, all right. So I, I I don't I'm not I'm not I'm not going that we're the best team in the Western Conference. I just I'm not ready to do that. By the way, though since Kyle Corver we're the ninth best offense and we're the number one defense in the league. So And Alec Burks honestly is not very good. Like I don't mean that rudely, but we've never been positive with Alec Burks on the floor. It's kind of the same thing. We got rid of Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson last year who were negative, particularly Joe Johnson. And all of a sudden, we got better. The Denver Nuggets got rid of Wilson Chandler, who was a huge negative, and they got a lot better. The Oklahoma City Thunder got rid of Carmelo Anthony, and they seemingly were supposed to get better. And the Rockets got rid of Carmelo halfway through the year, and they got better. Negative players are death. This has been the theme of this show for a long, long time. Negative offensive players are almost incredibly difficult to overcome. And negative players on the plus-minus, actually, it's real. I know everybody, oh, plus-minus is bad. Okay, great. You can tell me all these things. I watch it year in and year out play out that if you get rid of the guy who's ne- you're bad when he's on the floor, you get better. It's really fundamentally basic. All right. So let's clear those filters. And let's put everybody on equal footing. We're 75 games in the season. Heck with and, – and you go to – we go to the NBA numbers for a second. And the Jazz offense, now we're only 15th offensively. And the J- defensively, we're second – and you go to net rating, and we're suddenly the second best team in the Western Conference. The Warriors are at 5.6, and the Jazz are at 4.8. And the Nuggets are at 4.3, and the Blazers are at 3.8, and the Rockets are at 3.5, and the Thunder are at 3.3, and the Spurs are at 1.5, and the Clippers are at one3 and the Jazz are now the second best team in the NBA. And that's with a full schedule. Now, we've got some... 
uniqueness that we don't play close games. We either blow you out or we don't. So let's just take it against the West, right? Let's just take Western Conference teams against the West. And we still have the second-best net rating. The Warriors are at 4.6, the Jazz are at 4.4, the Nuggets are at 3.4, the Rockets are at 3.0, and the Blazers are at 1.7, the Thunder at 1.5, the Spurs are at 0.3, the Pelicans are at 0.3. Our offense is not good against the West. It's a little disconcerting. We're 10th of 15 teams against the West. Our defense is the second best behind Memphis. Our net rating is second best in the West. Like, there it is again. Do I buy it? I don't know. Are we a little bit better than Denver and Houston? It doesn't feel like it to me. How could it be? Let's go to cleaning the glass, which clears out blowout time. And they have us as the second best team in the West and the third best team in the NBA. Milwaukee's at 9.8, Golden State's at 7.2, Utah's at 6.4, and it's a big Denver, it's a huge drop to Portland at 4.2 and Denver at 4.2. Differentials. Using differential on all these hope should have said that earlier, sorry. Now, we have the worst relationship between our win rate and our differential for whatever reason. Under Quinn Snyder, this has always been the case. Well, two years ago, we were 14. We were right in the middle. Last year, we were 20. There's something in eighth in the league. And this year, we're 29th. There's something about, actually, we're 30th. There's something about the way we play when we blow people out that that's, you know, we're, that that's, we're not as good as the numbers say. All right, let's do the self-serving Kyle Korver date again. That is who who we are. It's again, we're cherry-picking. We're taking out a bunch of games, but we just did it with all the games. And we were the number three team in the league. And with Kyle Korver, we're the number two team in the NBA, behind Milwaukee, ahead of Golden State, by a large margin. Again, we're 30th in correlation between our expected wins and what we should be. We're 35 and 18 and our numbers say we should be 41 and 12 and we're not. But we're the ninth best offense, the fifth best shooting team, and the number one team defensively in the NBA. According to Clean Glass, we're number one for the season as well. So how, so how is this? First of all, do you believe we're this good? And second of all, why? I mean, I had a conversation with someone the other day who really was pushing me that we're way better than we were last year at this time. I just, I'm not ready to go there yet. Maybe I'm being negative, Nelly. Maybe I'm being cautious. Maybe I'm too close to it. I, I'm, I'm not convinced. Today's show is brought to you in part by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. I actually have to turn in my my Murdoch Santa Fe today. Kind of bummed. I'm excited. I'm getting a new Chevy Trailblazer. It's it's a good deal. I get to trade in the cars and get to try new ones. Um, 
But I'm bummed. It's been so great. It virtually drives by itself. It's incredible, the safety features. I've told you about the backdoor safety lock where the door won't open if a car is coming. The other day I was stopping by to go to a cookie store downtown, and my daughter wanted to open the back door, and it locked up on her. And she's like, what's up? I'm like, did you look? Oh, no. Like, oh, like, well, that's exactly what the car does for you. That's the, the, the technology level of the Hyundai. The sunroof was amazing, or it's still amazing. It's just not mine anymore. Uh Great power, great safety features, uh, watching the cars in front of me, controlled cruise control, barely even have to drive the car, stays in lanes for me, beeped the other night at me when I was getting too sleepy on the ride home for the super late ESPN game. It's been great. The Murdoch Santa Fe, or the Hyundai Santa Fe from Murdoch. I strongly suggest if you're looking for a car to at least take a second, go onto the lot and look at what Hyundai has to offer. Whether you're looking for the quick, zippy SUV like the Kona, the midsize like the Tucson, or the full-size like the Santa Fe, like we bought with the third row of seats for my son, or any of the uh, other uh, great Hyundai cars, check out the Hyundai brand. See what you can get for your dollars. Santa Jason over at 4646 South State Street. Blake's down in Linden. They're also up in Logan. Today's show is also brought to you by the Barbecue Pit. Stop. I love these people. They are so awesome. I love people with passion. People with passion just fire me up, and that is what's going on. I told you about Barbecue Pit Stop, and I told you about Kennedy. Kennedy is the guy up in Layton. Excuse me, in, yeah, in Layton. Clinton is in Lehigh, and Brian is in Salt Lake, and these are all-star barbecuers. What makes them great is passion. What makes Barbecue Pit Stop great is you get the selection you get the expertise, and you get like a lifelong barbecue consultant. That's what makes the Barbecue Pit Stop so incredible. Located at 13 South and 3rd West in Salt Lake, also in Lehigh, also in Logan, uh, excuse me, also in Layton. I'm having a hard time with all my L cities. My bad. Uh, such a, you, first of all, great selection of grills if you're getting ready. I know it seems weird, snow all over the place today. And if you're looking for that kind of stuff, then the rubs, the different sauces, You'll be blown away. It is a absolute barbecue mecca. It's the barbecue pit stop in Lehigh, in Salt Lake, and in Layton. In Layton, you got Kennedy. In Salt Lake, you got Brian. And you got Clinton in Lehigh. So looking at all these numbers, I do begin to wonder if there are some aspects that are subtle that make us great. So... Let's start off with Quinn Snyder. So there is the stat brought by Second Spectrum you hear every now and then called QSQ. QSQ is quantified shot quality. Measures the likelihood of any shot going in if the average NBA player takes that shot. Now we're below average shooting. Which frankly probably makes it hard for someone to equate whether or not we're any good. But let's take, so we are the number one quantified shot quality team in the league. Number one. Over an average team in the NBA, that gives us two and a half percentage points of shot quality better than the opponent. That's a lot. I mean, that's almost two points. It's probably two points a game out of 85, 86 shots a night. We shoot one percentage below, so our instinct is, well, they're not very good shooters. But because we shoot one point below, yes, it brings us back, but we're still shooting. We're still, the Jazz are the fifth best effective field goal percentage shooting team in the league because of the shots Rudy's getting, the open threes, even if the shooters aren't great. 
Denver's far more potent than the Jazz offensively. There's no question. But they have to be way better than the Jazz because the Jazz shot quality is 2.3 points percentage points better every night than theirs. Denver's way better. I mean, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and Nikola Jokic, who's as incredible an offensive player as there is. Houston is better than the Jazz offensively. They're not a great shooting team. They are one percentage point below the Jazz. They have less of a margin to catch up. But they all these teams, Oklahoma City gets less good shots and is a less good shooting team than the Jazz. So, defensive, so they really struggle. San Antonio takes is a great shooting team, incredibly high level, except for the fact, and the Jazz are not very good, right? So San Antonio is the highest, and Golden State are the two highest best shooting teams in the league by a million miles, and so no one's even close. Utah is 24th in the league in what they how they shoot compared to the quality shots they get. Not good. And so the easy answer is to say, well, Utah's not very good. Except for the fact that the shot quality is so much better that even San Antonio, who's four percentage points better than they should be, leaves them at 53%. The Jazz, who are 24th in the league in quality, and you drop the number, are a little bit ahead of San Antonio's shot quality overall. Just by taking that much better shots. Golden State's obviously a good deal better. Defensively, the Jazz shot quality is the fourth best in the NBA, and they hold you below that number, right? So the Jazz are the number two defensive team in the league against the shot. They're the fourth best in shot quality, and they make you miss the shots because of Rudy Gobert, right? Well, okay, now you get into this game of, like, we're just not quite sure how we understand defense. But you take the analytical smarts of those two aspects of things, that gives the Jazz a considerable, if just based on shot selection, if, the, if someone's average, and defensively, on average, the, you know, the best you can be kind of a better than someone's about two percentage points. I mean, on a great day, most teams stay in a pretty small little variance here. Utah... On a, just by basic of shot selection, Utah allows an, a, a quantified shot quality of 51.4 and takes a quantified shot quality of 54.7. That's three per, effective field goal percentage of three percentage points better than their opponent every night just based on shot selection, just based on the Quinn Snyder system, just based on Rudy Gobert's massive presence. It's a lot. It's the most of any team in the league. And it's why maybe we're a little better and we're then we then we seem to be. Like I'm having a hard time grasping it. But that advantage when it's eighty six, seven shots a night is two points, two, three points. We we've talked about this a lot. I did it, you know, we usually we talk about it from a regards of, of what shots we allow and don't. This is even just kind of the next level of depth. The other one that gets interesting here. And I don't know what I think of, I'm just kind of grabbing January 1 as a date here. I talked about this with the scout yesterday on Locked on NBA. Really fun conversation. I know he's, 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 he's kind of mellow and dry, but he's, he's really insightful. So if you go to January 1, which gives us about 40 games, just a rant. You know, I don't know why January 1 has value. but So the Jazz are the second best team in the game. Port, Milwaukee's way ahead. 
Portland's great. Golden State's great. Houston's really, really good. Denver's not as good. Again, we're taking away some of the softer part of the schedule from Denver and Oklahoma City, so it's not fair. But this is the point of this I think is interesting. And some of this is because they're playing Western Conference teams. But in that time period, the Jazz are the number two defensive team. They're five since January 1st. The Jazz are five points per 100 possessions better than any other Western Conference playoff team defensively. It's not close. Five points per 100 possessions. If someone did that offensively, we couldn't stop talking about it. Now, again, that's a little misleading because we have been, our schedule has been soft as all get out since January 1. So it's a, it's a little misleading. But Portland's at 109.8. The Clippers are at 109, or Clippers are at 109.7. Clippers are at 109.8. But for the virtual, they're all the same. They're virtually all 110. Portland and Clippers, Thunder, Warriors, Rockets, Denver are all between 109.7 and 110.2. They're all the same. San Antonio's a little worse. But they're all the they're all virtually the exact same. And Utah's at 105. That's since January 1st. It's just a random pull date. I mean, I can back it up again if we just and clear the filter. If you clear the filter for the season, the Jazz defense is one point better than the Thunder. It's 3.2 points better than Denver. It's getting to be a lot here. It's five points better than the Warriors. It's actually four points better than the Warriors. Four and a half points better than the Blazers. Five points better than the Clippers. On an offensive end, we don't have that separation. We do, they're, all, they're all that much better than we are because we're not very good offensively, but we're better since Corver, so you just have to decide what you, think, what you think our real number is. But, you know, Golden State's the best offensive team. They're a point better than Houston, but... But Portland's right there. Denver's right there. San Antonio's right there. They're all within 2.5 points. The Jazz defensively are considerably better than anybody is offensively in the Western Conference. I don't really know the answer here, guys. I'm not, and ladies, I'm not willing yet to buy in. Totally. Um, maybe I should. Maybe you are after this. Let me know. Points gained. I think Rudy Gobert might be on the top of the list. I haven't looked at it yet, but he's having an incredible stretch here. We'll look at points gained as we continue on Locked On Jazz. Make sure you get Locked On Jazz and all your other Locked On podcasts on the new app, Himalaya. Also, are you following Locked On NBA Net on Twitter? Locked On NBA Net on Twitter is the feed of feeds. It's really, really cool. In other words, it is all of your Locked On NBA hosts on one feed it's pretty cool so I got Tony East talking about the matchup with the Celtics I got Philip Rossman Reich on the Orlando Magic I got Matt King Mark King talking about what's going on with the Memphis Grizzlies Brad Rowland on the Atlanta Hawks if you want a great way to look at what's going on with the NBA as a whole this is it uh it's locked on NBA net Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. 
multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network, right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, let's do points gained. I open the show by saying my points gained has changed my MVP vote. Uh, And the answer is, I now think I am voting for Giannis Adetokounmpo for points gained. I mean, for MVP. According to points gained, Giannis is the number one offensive player in the NBA. At 3.6, Steph is 3.4, and Harden is 3.1. Those are the three best offensive players in the league. If Giannis is the best offensive player in the league, and he's clearly better defensively than James Harden, and his team has a better record, then I think I have to vote for you. I, I, I don't get a vote, but I would vote for Giannis. By the way, Rudy Gobert has a bigger offensive positive impact on a game than Carl Anthony Towns in regards to points gained. Giannis, Steph, and James Harden are the only guys over three. Durant's fourth at 2.9, so the Warriors can be tough to beat. Rudy Gobert's points gained is 2.8, fifth most positively impactful offensive player. We can talk about if other people could dunk as much as Rudy, they would, but they can't. So therefore, there's a value and a skill there. If other people could shoot the three as much as Steph could, they could and they would, but they can't. And somehow then we give Steph credit for it, but we don't give Rudy credit for the fact that he's the only guy in the league that can dunk at the rate he dunks other than Giannis. 
It's also interesting to me, we don't criticize Giannis, really, for the lack of outside shooting and his inability to shoot from the outside when he can get to the rim and dunk all the time, but he can do it himself without the pass, so we think it's okay. But Rudy's doing it by setting a pick and then getting it off the pass, and why is that not valued as highly? Carl Anthony Towns is next at 2.6. Danilo Gallinari, who is having one of the great years of the league, has forced a team into the playoffs that nobody's talking about, has always been an elite numbers player, does something that almost no one in the league does, which is takes over 30% of his shots as threes and goes to the free throw line, 15% of his possessions. I think he might be the only one in the league because Harden's under 15. He and Harden by far have the best shot distribution of any players in the league. If you include threes. Obviously, Rudy and Giannis have the best. Gallinari's averaging 20.6 rebounds, three assists a game. He's willed that team to the playoffs. They're plus 2.3. Probably should be considered for some of the all-NBA teams. Clint Capella is at 2.3. Why the Rockets have gotten so much better since he got back. Kawhi Leonard, 2.2. John Collins of Atlanta, 2.0. And the other completely unsung L.A. Clipper, 2.0. But... When the season started, points gained had the Clippers in the playoffs. Right? We missed on New Orleans. We had the Clippers in the playoffs. We did not have Denver as the number two seed. Let me just be clear on that because we did not have them playing defense. Um, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Powell, who's a free agent this year, who I would strongly look at if I was a team, is at 1.9. Um... Boyan Bonjanovic at 1.7. So some other Jonas Jonas Valanciunas at Memphis is a 1.5 instead of Marcus Sol. Memphis has gotten better. Marcus Sol is the least efficient offensive center in the NBA. They added a rim roller who can dunk, and Memphis got better. Like this, this metric, the more I use it, the more I believe in it. Oklahoma City is wavering because they have two of the worst. Off, the least good offensive efficient players who have the biggest negative impact on their team. And if Paul George is not superhuman, then the fact that Russell Westbrook has the biggest negative impact of any offensive player in the possessions he uses at minus 2.8, tied with Andrew Wiggins, kills you. Andrew Wiggins is minus 2.8, and Carl Anthony Towns, as great as he is, can't get that team in the playoffs because Andrew Wiggins is minus 2.8. If they just didn't play Andrew Wiggins, they'd be a playoff team. That's real. Chris Dunn in Chicago is a minus 1.8. Dennis Schroeder is a minus 1.7. New York should be nervous. Dennis Smith is a minus 1.5 for a second straight year. Honestly, part of the reason Indiana didn't struggle that much is Victor Oladipo wasn't very good this year. He's a minus 1.4. And to the D'Angelo Russell love affair, he's still a minus 1.3. I think I'm off. Last 10 games, Giannis is the number one player in the league. He's played eight of them. Rudy Gobert is number two. Danilo Gallinari is three. Mike Conley is four. How about that? Mike Conley, 51% from the field, 45% from three, 83% from the free throw line, maybe partially because he got a rim roller and Jonas Valanciunas, which just makes you wonder what he would do with some other rim rollers. Colin Sexton, who's had one of the worst years around, 
In the last 10 games, 54% from the field, 49% from three, and 87% from the line. Durant, Cat, Ryan broke off in Denver in six games is suddenly worth keeping an eye on. This is a good kind of way to check on some younger players who play late in the year and see what they're doing. Uh, Clint Capella, Joel Embiid, and Dame Lillard are all playing really well. James Harden is as well. Kawhi Leonard, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, who we'll see tonight. Guys that are in miserable slumps and negative points gained players. I should have described points gained you better to start, but it's uh, I assumed, and that's a bad deal on my part. So points gained is the uh, points using average player in the league and you get the same amount of possessions. How many points above or below average are you with those possessions on a given night? Um, do you, Luka Doncic is minus 3.9. He's worn out. 37%, 20% from three. Trey Young making a strong push here. D'Angelo Russell, minus 3.5. Brooklyn struggling, and he is too. Corey Joseph, who I've always liked in Indiana, is having a tough year, minus 3.2. Chris Levert, coming back from that injury, has not been the same, minus 3.1. So those two guys are killing Brooklyn. Kyle Kuzma, minus 2.7 recently. Russell Westbrook, minus 2.5. Detroit's Ish Smith. Rajon Rondo, minus 2. Last 10 games for the Utah Jazz. Let's take a look. Your goal is to have a roster that is everyone slightly above average. Gobert, 4.7. Favors, 1.4. Ingles, 0.8. Royce, 0.6. George Niang, 0.5. Epe, 0.1. Donovan's even. That's great. High usage player can be even. That's good. Neto's minus 0.1. Crowder's minus 0.2. That's basically even. Cephalosha's minus 0.2. Ricky's, Ricky's minus 0.2. The only guy that's off right now is Kyle Corver. He's minus 1.5. But that's how you get your offense into the top 10. For the season with the Utah Jazz, Gobert 2.8, Favors 1.2, Corver 0.4, Epe 0.4, Royce 0.3, George Niang 0.2, Cephalosha 0.2, Ingles 0.2, Neto even. It's beautiful. That's exactly what you want. Jay Crowder, minus 0.5. You'd like him to be even. Gobert or Rubio, minus 1. And Donovan has been inefficient for the year at minus 1.4. That is going to be the next step in Donovan. He's got to find a way to get this up and be efficient. That is Locked On Jazz today. Hope you enjoyed it. A lot of different things there. How good are we? I'll get your thoughts. It is Locked On Jazz. Downloaded the new Himalaya app and grab that. Go subscribe to the Twitter feed, Locked On NBA Net. Also the same on Instagram, and go listen to the Scout on Locked On NBA. Just tell your smart device right now to play Locked On NBA. You'll probably get today's episode, so you have to figure that out. Hope you're good. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.